0: Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, an AWS podcast focused on personal lessons of leadership, culture, and technology from business leaders across the globe. Enjoy today's conversation.
1: Hi, this is Phil Lebrun. I'm a Director of Enterprise Strategy at Amazon Web Services. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Yulin Lee, Chief Product Officer of Onfido. Yulin joined Onfido in 2017 as Director of Strategy and Expansion and has held a number of leadership positions before taking on her current role as Chief Product Officer. Yulin was presented with the Rising Star Award at the 2021 Digital Masters Award and is nominated for the 2023 Women in Tech Excellence Award. Yulin, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast. Hi, Phil,
2: and thanks for having me.
1: Let's start off with a little bit of your background. You've got a rich background in areas such as um, AI. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up where you are today?
2: Absolutely. So so I am actually a medical school dropout and then I became an economist um, and then I worked in financial um, services and investment banking. Um, And then about a decade ago, I actually left all of that to go into the world of tech and uh, startups specifically. And I've been in a lot of various data-related roles and general management roles. Uh, but it was actually when I um, joined faculty AI um, in 2016 that I actually had a lot of exposure to AI, ML, and that whole ecosystem. Um, because although as an economist or working in banking, at the time, a lot of stuff we were doing was more just normal data or data science even, um, and not so much on AI, i um, at faculty, I ran the fellowship, which was a program for PhDs and postdocs with quant backgrounds to, leave, um, to move into industry and getting them really trained up so that they can hit, hit the ground running there. Um, and then a lot of the businesses we worked with at the time as part of that program had very commercial projects, which they needed this kind of help on. And then for the fellows, it was a great way to make that transition because most of them uh, at that point had been in academia for at least a decade, if not more. Um, And then over time, faculty now actually does a lot of cutting edge research projects um, and AI uh, consultancy as well as software. And then after that, I joined Onfido and Onfido is an AI company at its heart um, and has been from the very beginning and the way the product is made. Um, And so, yeah, it's been a really fun journey.
1: Wow, that's quite a varied background. Could you tell us a a little bit about Onfido, um, how it started and what it does? Okay, so Onfido is a global identity um, verification
2: company. It, the, the three founders actually met at Oxford University Entrepreneurs and uh, were students at the time, though I think um, Rahul subsequently went and then came back to start this company with them. Um, Rahul, who is um, currently our chief architect, but was the founding CTO, uh, he actually did a master's in computer vision um, and his project about recognizing birds. Um, but it was more of how can we apply this in a business context? And... The three of them sort of did that, lived the dream, Uh, started the startup, started off actually in background checks, but they realized that the really sort of high value component of the background check is actually the identity check, at least in the UK, a lot of the other stuff is sort of databases and third parties. Um, And the identity proofing then became a standalone product. It became a much faster outgrowing category than the background checks itself. And we actually divested that business to focus on digital identity proofing um, and then I guess the rest is history in the last six years has kind of been the growth around that.
1: So bringing your background uh, from faculty into this and uh, a background with AI and ML, you're in a company now that I understand uses it extensively. How's um, artificial intelligence and machine learning being used? So
2: um, AI is actually in the core of the product we build. Um, So at the heart, I think at the beginning anyway, on Fudo, was a computer vision company and to a large extent is still a computer vision company. Um, and so really leverages um, a lot of the new innovations in AI such as transformers. Um, that transformation we've already been putting into our models for a number of years now. I know the hype on Gen AI today is today, um, but actually we've been generating a lot of synthetics um, and uh, also incorporating some of the other components of this into our core product for many
1: years. Where's your success in reducing, say, fraud uh, with your applications?
2: So there's a couple of different things. So the the key of um, identity verification online, right, is knowing that the person that you are trying to verify is who they say they are um, and is is live, right, is there, is a real person. Um, And technology does almost better than humans. So there's many different layers of this. There is, do they actually have their identity? or identity documents or access to other identity attributes. um, And we use a lot of fraud detection there. The second part is, are are they that person? Are they using a deepfake? Are they impersonating? And again, we have a range of different models and layers to be able to to detect against attack vectors like that. And then now, given the prevalence of deepfakes, there's also an element of Uh, prevention against injection attacks and more the security angle as well. So there's multiple different layers that we use for fraud prevention in the identity verification space.
1: You've touched on the fact that you've been using things like transformer models for a while, pretty sophisticated use of AI and ML. I'm sure one of the things many of the listeners will be curious about is what can you share with them in terms of um, challenges the challenges you have faced using machine learning and how you, have you overcome those?
2: So, so at Onfido, the way that our product development works is that we have these um, teams that combine product managers, designers, user researchers, engineers, data centers, and machine learning specialists, domain experts, privacy, so all of these together is how we build products. So one of the big challenges facing our industry, of course, is deep fakes uh, and we launched last year a new generation of a product around biometrics, which we call Motion. And what Motion is fantastic at is it's fully automated, it's got extremely good user experience, and it's got extremely high accuracy for detection of deep fakes, um, as well as the facial recognition and so on. And building a new product like this is an iterative process because there's stuff that would work really well for, for detection. Like that the search would be like, it'd be amazing if you could get them to do X, Y, and Z, but then on the other side, the designers and user researchers would be like, well, if you do this, actually testing this in the market, people aren't, aren't familiar with this or you won't get high drop off. So really making that balance work was an iterative process across the whole entire team. Um, we wanted to build a new product that would maximize fraud detection, but with really simple user experience so that you can get many people completing this flow. Uh, we actually iterated with more than 50 prototypes to get to the end product. We tried different head positions, different challenges, different ways to provide feedback as part of that user journey. Um, And the final design is brilliant, but that was an iterative journey to get to that point so that the humans are incredibly comfortable with it. But we also know that it's incredible, it's scalable and that the models would work really well on it for, for detection purposes.
1: So constant experimentation against a goal and see what works and, um, uh, learn as quickly as you can with the real users,
2: and um, basically yes. And now we do this in production at scale as well. Our systems are built so that if um if a new attack vector comes along or there you know new th- new things are happening. I mean, identification in some ways is not so different from the security industry, right? Vendors are incredibly motivated to understand how these systems work, and our, our clients and ourselves are incredibly motivated to work out ways to deter them. So new things are happening all the time, and that's the other thing that's been very interesting about Onfido is that we've really invested in our data stack um, and our machine ml ops as we call it and our data infrastructure so that you co- it's not just you build this product once that but you're constantly be able to iterate whether you know more targeted with user research or just actually in production as well with clients
1: you you, you talked about this rapid iteration of products and one of the questions that often comes up, is this concern around things like uh, security or data privacy? And often organizations put in place lots of um, gates you have to jump through, which then slows down your process of iteration. How do you deal with those in Onfido?
2: so it's a great question. So, one of the key stakeholders, which I mentioned, is legal and privacy. They are a stakeholder in product development. Um, and it's, I mean, given what we do and the sensitivity of some of the data that we are able to process or hold, um, I think we're very respectful of privacy and data as a company, and that's been in our DNA. I We've really invested in this industrial-grade MLOps platform. And The second is about like the use of data lawfully and the consents and the conversations we have with our clients as part of that contractual process. This stuff is not like hidden in sort of terms and conditions that a page you can't see. This is stuff that we bring to Bring up very clearly with our clients. And um, clients actually want to have a partner who's really conscious of this, um, but also dynamic and actually evolving and developing their models. And it's this really fine balance. And actually, that's one of the things that makes Onfido a partner to many of our clients, rather than just a vendor, because we surface all of these things. They want to learn about it, or they have some views. We kind of evolve and all grow together. Um, But definitely using the data lawfully, making sure we have the right concerns, both from our clients and they having it from their end users as well, is very important to our product development process.
1: So you've talked about security. If we think about this more broadly, you're operating with a lot of customers in regulated industries. What sort of challenges does that present you with and how do you overcome those?
2: I think the, the the most important thing actually comes around like the clarity of the regulation and the regulations itself being fit for purpose. So, for example, we work with a lot of clients who are um, regulated some way to do with anti-money laundering. So either financial services or adjacent to financial services and um, remote identity proofing for KYC and AML purposes is something that has really only been around for 10 years um, and actually for certain countries, is more recent than that. So there is a lot of uncertainty because the regulation could have been, a lot of regulation was actually written to sort of try and recreate the human experience. I basically want to do everything that was done analog, but the only difference is that the medium is remote. Um, and there's still some of the regulation being written like that but actually you can see like technology has advanced and also that's not the critical component right the critical component is like how secure is your system how highly performing is it can you actually detect fraud can, are you like is your system biased etc um and that has been a journey that they're going on and you're seeing this now in europe with the um standardization a harmonization of some of those with a european-wide Etsy standard which has actually taken a lot of industry and also expert feedback to have a more harmonized but also more um, appropriate type of regulation for remote identity proofing. And then regulators are now slowly adopting this. So some of them have already embraced it fully and some of them are slowly layering this into their national regulation. But this is the journey that we're on. And as part of this journey, especially with all these changes and these are quite hot off the press things, you can imagine the conversations that we need to have with our clients, right? And I think clarity of the regulation and how it can be applied um, and it being fit for purpose, will definitely be a big tailwind for the industry. Um, but this is also part of the fun, right? You're on the cutting edge of what's possible. We didn't have iPhones 15 years ago. So all, all of this is a its a journey that we've all been on. Um, and it just so happens that this is part of the world that we play
1: in. Absolutely. I think we could go back probably 400 years and see the same problems where the technology uh, was lagged by the regulation by often decades, if not longer.
0: We hope you're enjoying the discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection.
1: One of the hot topics at the moment, uh, particularly with generative AI catching the board and C suite's attention of many customers, is that of responsible AI. How do you take measures or even measure um, fairness and ethics in your AI algorithms?
2: So this is something we've actually been thinking about for a while. And we were the first company to um, go through this particular sandbox run by um, the ICO in the UK about using our data to actually test our own systems for a bias under that purpose. Um, And we wrote a white paper about this and actually showed our own metrics. We had a simple metric that anyone can use, which is the false rejection rate. Across groups, this is something that we still regularly monitor and update our models on. And um, But that whole process, I think about four or five years ago, um, really made us think and also up-level what we're doing. And I hope also help up-level the industry and our conversations with the ICO as well. So we're now many, many model versions in. Um, we still regularly monitor this impact across geos. I think for, for us, the demographic bias um, is... Probably the core component of fairness, but see any of the enterprise readiness stuff about model governance and model drift, and so on. We also have a process around.
1: You've mentioned ML ops, and I, I agree it's a, an emerging discipline in many organizations. Often, the, the fixation we see with companies is building a machine learning model. It's almost that just the build piece. Could you talk a little bit about how do you handle that continuous learning and model improvement once? models out there in production
2: so so our teams these sort of cross-functional teams are based on product lines and the applied scientists within that group are responsible for monitoring the models um, that are already in production and their performance as well as developing the new models so this is something that they do regularly and is part of the process for doing so and then if it happens we update the models um, in the same way, as I had before, if new attack vectors come along, then they can think of great new creative ways or cre- new features that we can then build into the product. So these are both done by the Applied Science team.
1: Yulin, you talked about um, how Onfido's embraced generative AI before it became popular in the papers. Uh, what have you seen in terms of skill sets required it, with this new generation of technology? And any advice you could give listeners when they're thinking about their own development paths for employees?
2: And love that question. I'm a very big believer in lifelong learning and that with the right fundamentals, right, a lot of this stuff can it are things that you can learn and grow into. That said, what is what you can learn in the books and what you can learn applied I think is quite different and you've got to be playing around and testing and using some of this to really understand how to use it at scale so it's very easy to say well if you had a great team of applied scientists like we do who have their own um reading groups who are part of the community who are constantly um, contributing, learning, participating, uh, taking things in that, you know what, well, you could also have the same. But but I do think you d- need to have some sort of critical mass of people who are, are engaged in this from multiple different angles. In addition to contributing to the open source community, we also have people who teach uh, machine learning and other and- other best practices at all sorts of like technical schools. Our applied science team has been helping train a cohort of machine learning engineers as well to bridge the gap between machine learning and production. But fundamentally at the the core of it though, is that you need a group of people at different levels of seniority who enrich each other, right? who are curious, who are self-learning and who want to share this with the people they work with. I think it's very hard to do this if you don't, have that because this isn't the kind of thing at this moment that you can sort of read off a textbook or go on a course and then be done it is is itself a continuous thing and at the heart of that is yeah curiosity and community
1: I come back to one point I think you touched on it earlier there's so many advances in technology um, and the world seems to be constantly speeding up how do you know or how do you decide where to place your bets next in terms of advances in technology that you could be taking advantage of
2: i think for there is um a couple of different places where this comes from right there's the experimentation that happens when you have a um, applied science team i think as um as the cpo um and working with the product team there are multiple places where these ideas can come from so it includes like the experimentation that's done internally like when you've got great curious at team members they are always out there seeing what's happening. Also, our customers, some we we are in some ways very lucky. We work some incredibly innovative customers who also come with great ideas to us. We also actually have a strong policy team. And so we're also working with the standards bodies, um, governments, regulators, and so on. Um, and that is the magic product, right? Trying to piece these complete different components together. I think it's important not just to say, oh, this new technology exists, (laughs) therefore, how do I use it? But actually, it is a balance of like what actually drives value for our customers. Also, what is the best way to use technology to solve this? And could we leverage really some of the more cutting edge stuff to provide an edge there? At the end of the day, you have to be building products, right? That customers value.
1: Yeah, fall in love with the problem, not necessarily the solution. I I love that. Uh, In your role what excites you most in the areas of AI, ML, generative AI that can help shape your company and its products?
2: So I am extremely excited about AI's impact on solving the big problems in the world. And there are things like, you know, climate, health, education. I get to do a lot of that in my other job as an angel investor and in rising startups. And then in my day job on videos it's about fraud and security. Otherwise, imagine a world where you have a digital identity, but someone is impersonating you, or you have digital identities, but they're based on synthetic identities and they've created their own um, histories. And people actually, then how do you get back in the box? So it's completely critical to be really careful about who you let into that system. And that's what the problem we've been trying to solve for a very long time. Um, is who do you let in the gate and what are these vectors and how can technology deter uh, deter or prevent some of that. I think there will be an even greater reliance on biometrics, but it will be many different forms because you're already seeing the stuff that's coming with deepfakes. Um, but that's not the only form of biometrics, there are many others. So we are very, very excited, but also really aware that like fundamentally without fraud prevention and security and assurance, a lot of the vision may not manifest.
1: It it sounds like an incredibly exciting future. Is there any advice you'd give to companies setting out on their own journey to uh, to, to be successful? You you talked about a number of factors such as having people who, who want to learn and be curious, making sure you understand the customer's problem, even challenging the customer, maybe on them coming to you with the solution when maybe they don't quite understand the problem. Is there anything else you really encourage companies to think about?
2: So I think you covered um, some of the really key ones around culture and people. I would advise companies to really think hard about what are the things that you can give customers or you will be able to give value to your customers in the way that, say, a new entrant can't. I think is a more practical and realistic conversation to be having other than I'm this company today and just because Gen AI has come along, I want to be in that company tomorrow.
1: It's amazing how many uh, companies have decided they're going to be a generative AI company in the future. and I wonder what problem they're trying to solve. Yulin, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really appreciate the conversation. You're working in some really exciting technologies and opportunities.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. For more on these topics, visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights. While there, be sure to learn more about AWS Exec Leaders, an invite-only global community for business and technology leaders.